What's up, what's up, what's up, my people? This is Brown96 with yet another episode of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast, where I interview inspiring entrepreneurs within the entertainment field. Yo, today is no different. We still bring that dopeness. And today's special guest is Amapola Ramirez, a.k.a. La Chicana Therapist. We all need that therapy and that stigma of mental health, you know, searching for help mentally is just for the insane and nah, it's for everyone. Everyone needs that platica, everyone needs to conversate and get their demons off their minds, whatever you want to call it. But yo, we have La Chicana Therapist talking to us about her ups and downs and how she became La Chicana Therapist, why she went into the therapy field, you know, and we all need that. So I hope you all listen and listen close to this special guest. And as for me, I'm going to lay back and uh, let y'all listen to it. With no further ado, here we go. What's up, my people? We back to the Hip Hop Spot Podcast with today's special guest, Amapola Ramirez, a.k.a. La Chicana Therapist. Good morning. ¿Cómo estás? Good morning, Victor. ¿Cómo estás? I'm doing so good. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. I mean, um, you know, everyone, I believe everyone is in search of something in this world, um, either where it has yeah. to be dealing with self or dealing with, you know, in, re- in relation to giving to others. And I believe that I'm in the mission to help myself with this podcast as a therapy, um, talking to others and asking vital questions like you know in regards to mental health in regards to certain you know things that we question on the daily that perhaps we don't really want to talk about out in public but in uh more conversational uh matters like like a podcast is more kind of a more uh personal in detail and it kind of helps to boost that uh, that momentum of getting that vital information now but um as for yeah. the way that I love starting conversations within this podcast is to bring back the younger self of the person on the other side. So um, if you can tell us, yeah. talk to us about how it was growing up, where you grew up, and, um, the you know, ups and downs as a young one. Yeah, so um, my parents immigrated to this country Um and whenever I think of my younger self, I always think of like how my journey was when I was in my mother's womb, because my mother crossed the border with my father um, when she was pregnant. And I always think of the things that probably she was obviously experiencing, um, having me in her womb. So just being born, um, I actually grew up, uh, you know, very Mexican. I would grow up you know, hearing the little chunky, wet back little girl, um, and I don't care. <laughs> that was just, you know, my parents are Mexican, and they would buy me clothes from the swap meet, and I loved it, and it, it was all I knew. Mm. Um, and it was fun. It was fun. My dad would always, you know, uh, he would spoil me, he would buy me the dolls, but my mom was more of the dominant, like, the bills have to get paid. So in my home environment, um, I did grow up with a lot of, like, verbal abuse from my mother um 
and a lot of physical abuse because, and I understand now, I'm not justifying it because I didn't deserve it. No one ever needs to, ever deserve to be hit or, you know, mistreated. Um, but I understood her story as I grew older, but when I was younger, I just was confused. I thought, like, why do I have to be hit? I am a boy. So throughout my childhood experience, I felt like I didn't have a voice. Mm. And I felt pretty much um, like trapped. I, obviously, I love my family, but I felt really insecure as I got older. Um, when I, I remember going to family reunions and, and things like that, and sometimes like, I would see some family members making fun of other family members are playing pretty rough. And for some reason, every time I was little, that would bother me because obviously it was a trigger, right? I didn't like people being mistreated because I was being mistreated. So it was a trigger for me. And I always found myself like defending them, like always wanting to help to help people feel better. And um, I remember this one occasion where uh, my family put, like, flour in a piñata. I have no idea why. It was just for hmm. fun. And they kept just throwing the flour at people's faces. And it was, like, obviously, flour in your eyes, you know, it's going to burn or it's just going to get irritated. But I remember um, defending one of my cousins so hardcore that I started crying. And they, my family members just laughed. They just laughed because of the, I guess they thought it was cute. But for me, it was, I always remember that moment because I was like, I was so like in tune with my emotion of just like, I feel sad and irritated. You guys are making fun of people. Like, please stop it. Mm. And my emotions weren't being validated. Mm. So as I got older, um, I still had that within me of just, you know, helping people out and making them feel like, hey, I hear you. I see you, you know, and, um, I find myself gravitating to like jobs where I could help people. I started mm. off working at an agency um, with substance abuse. And I actually there, I started as a receptionist, but um, what ended up happening is that one of the ladies that was in charge of giving resources to the clients, um, she wasn't, she wasn't there. And I would always take the initiative on my own Um to help the people and talk to them, give them the resources. And, you know, the director saw that. She's like, I can tell that you have this, like, passion of helping people. And it's not your job, but you just go ahead and do it. I was like, well, mm. I don't know. I, you know, I, I do. I love helping people. And um, and sure enough, she said, you know what? Forget this reception job. This is not for you. I'm promoting you. But, you know, as a case manager, for me, it was, like, a big thing because I was in my early 20s. And, um and yeah, I mean, because she believed in me, I I appreciated that very much. And I ever since then, um, I excuse me, surrounded myself with um, many therapists, psychiatrists, and I would see the profound um, help that you know they would do. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I want to do that. Um, yeah. There was a time in an agency where I was asked if, you know, I can conduct parenting classes. And um, I said, yeah, sure, I've never done it, but I, I'll learn, I'll do it. Mm. So I fell in love with it. Um, I got 
I actually felt so much in love with it. I said, you know what, I'm going to do this on the side. So I got certified um, in 2008. And um, you actually don't even need, like, a bachelor's or anything. I didn't have my bachelor's yet. But I fell in love with it that I decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna pretty much start my business. I didn't know, obviously, how to start a business, but just the adrenaline of the passion of just wanting to help people mm. pushed me so deep into just, I'm scared, but you know what, I'll figure it out. And um, and I did. I, I got a lot of support from many, you know, um, colleagues and this one specific um, lady by the name of Tony, she said, I can tell you love helping people. I'm going to let you borrow my office. And I said, thank you so much. It's just hard for me. I can't afford it to find my own. And she's like, fine. I, I used it for a couple of years. And then um, I started my business. And then throughout my business, I started, um, I went to school. I got my bachelor's. I got my, my master's in human services. And um, that totally helped me in developing my program, um, well, my agency, I should say, my small little center, my little hole in the wall where I make magic, I, I always call it, <laughs> I always say it in that manner, um, but the adrenaline, adrenaline that I've had in my life of just helping people um, pushed me to educate myself, you know, in that manner of going to the uh, university. Now, let me tell you something that I didn't mention, but um, because I grew up abused verbally and emotionally um, and physically, um, my grades sucked. I mean, my grades were like C's, F's, C's. The only A's I had were like in art and in physical education. Mm. You know, other than that, I didn't have good grades. And I obviously, I'm the Mexican you know, families, and, you know, I would hear the word pendeja a lot, hmm. and at some point, I said, you know what, I am not smart, I am not capable when I was younger, but because of that desire of wanting to help people, I kind of put that aside, and I didn't dwell on it, but I said, no, I'm going to do it for myself and for others. Um, I actually got my second master's degree from USC. Let me tell you, that little wet back girl, I never thought in my life I would have a two master's degrees and go to USC because all my life, majority of my childhood, I should say, I was being told I was incapable by the mm. words that were being told to me, you know? And at some point, I, I believed it. And then at some, then at another point, I was like, you know what? No, it's not true. No, I can. Yes, I can. And, and I, you know, as I'm sharing this with you, it just even makes me feel that there's a lot of people out there who at some point felt that the label that they were given when they were younger is still alive within them. Mm. But it is our responsibility to eliminate that label. You know, I know it's easier said than done, but yeah. in my life, in my story, um, I think that overall what I've learned is that I have resilience and we all have resilience and, and, you know, the way we are living our life is is meant to be in that way. Even if we suffer, obviously, we're not meant to suffer every single day of our lives. Mm. And we're not meant to suffer every single day of our lives either. So it's kind of like a confetti, right? Like, life is yeah. a, like, a, like a confetti in that way. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I know there's probably many things I can share, you know, but 
but yeah, I yeah. think my journey for me has been yeah, pretty good. Challenging but good. Mm. You know? Now it's interesting how you how you even say yourself like that little wetback girl. Now mm-hmm. that's obvious that um those words resonate in your subconscious because you've heard that you've heard that as a young one and Uh i've always heard of course that wet bag and i also heard spick now i turned that that phrase around by using it as as acronyms for s-p-i-c which is for me it stands for spanish people in control because that's what Uh, we are you know so Uh we have to turn things around for ourselves in order to to not succumb to uh that nothingness you know in the in in in, in life because if we stick yeah. to to believing what people have told us while growing up we're gonna you know yeah. basically end up doing nothing in our lives because we're gonna believe so deeply that we're exactly. worthless but if we somehow yeah. break out of this mindset we could do way more than actually those people that were labeling us that, you know, uh-huh. you can be way more successful yeah. even than those people that were given that were given those labels to us. So, you know, it's it's just a mindset if you if you start to think about all these things. Now, um, of talking about, um, you have this quote on on IG that says, "Las emociones no es no expresadas nunca mueren." Meaning uh-huh. that you have to talk about your your problems. If if not talked exactly. about, they will never you know leave out of our system. Yeah. So that's powerful, you know. Um, yeah. Now, all through high school, how was your? Um, I mean, how would you say your mindset was, your mentality as for as for like looking forward to the future? Um, in high school, I mean, I didn't. You know what? I didn't really even think about my future. Um, I, I mean, I continued to to get you know abused emotionally and verbally, and I was, I was that girl that was like into boys at a very young age, you know, and and I was like, oh, boys are cute, and it's, you know, and I had this one boyfriend that was like. For me, when I was 16, I was like, oh, my God, like, he's my life. Like, that was just my focus, and which was dumb, but, you know, I was an adolescent with no guidance, um, and I needed the guidance so bad. Um, there were times, like I said, I, did, I well, when I say the abuse, because my mom was more of the one that was verbally, emotionally, and physically abusive, um, but I, I didn't have that connection, so I, I felt pretty alone, actually. I felt pretty alone. I felt like no one could understand me. I am the oldest. I have two brothers. And being the oldest and being a girl, like, one, my mom was afraid that, like, oh, my gosh, she was going to end up pregnant early or anything like that. You know, the common fear, a lot of parents. Um, My dad would work a lot, so it's not like, you know, my dad did, you know, he would spoil me, but I think a lot of the times his presence was always needed as well as a male figure. Um, but I understand, you know, they tried their best, yet I know that um, I did feel lonely. There was times where I would crave, like, a hug for my mom. There was times where I wasn't being told a happy birthday. So there were just certain times that I was like, oh, kind of, it sucks, <laughs> you know? Mm. But I'm just glad I never gravitated to substances or, mm. or you know, hurting myself. But I think, well, actually, 
let me correct myself, I did hurt myself, not physically by cutting, but I think I hurt myself by not, um, how can I say it, I guess, at some point I knew what I was doing, you know, but yet needing the guidance, but I did hurt myself because I put that boyfriend first in myself. Mm. You know, thinking like, because, oh, even if we were 16, 17 or 18, um, like he was it, like he defined my happiness and heck no, he did not. Right. But at that moment in my adolescent stage, um, it was pretty lonely. It was. And um, I've always kind of lived in my head because, you know, as a child growing up with abuse, a lot of children grow up just being in their heads. And I was one of them. I had this like imagination I had this creativity and I had this like I would ask myself the questions about certain situations in my life and then at some point I would like respond to supposedly what I thought was a solution but this is why I always say las palabras no expresadas nunca mueren because I dealt with a lot of insecurity because of that you know the adolescent stage was a time where we're trying to find our identity and honestly like it took me until like my early 30s to really find out who the heck I am um, and I know they say it's never late, you know, it's never too late, but it's okay. Everyone's journey is very different, but it would have been nice to have had that like emotional support. And I think that happens a lot with, in, uh, I know many cultures, but in my culture, uh, my Mexican culture, it's more like, okay, you know what? You know, <laughs> or, or like pray on it or things like that. I mean, we don't get validated. So that's kind of mm. how I felt growing up as an adolescent. I, I kind of did feel alone at some point. Yeah. Mm. And there's a lot of uh, other, you know, girls out there within that same, those same shoes right now. Yeah. It's so, it's mm-hmm. so much, um, Every, well, I mean, everyone needs guidance. Everyone needs someone to look up to, you know I mean? Like, um, kind of like a. I don't know, I guess something to... Like a mentor, you mean? Or like a mentor like or like a blueprint, yeah. kind of like a blueprint of how, what yeah. to follow, you know what I mean? So that's that's what I guess, I mean, I never really searched for anything like this. Uh, what I love to do a lot was reading. I love to read, like mm-hmm. even as a young one, I, I, I love to read. But that doesn't mean that I didn't get into a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? But uh, Yeah. Now, were your parents traditional? Yeah, very, very much. Now, yeah. for someone that didn't grow up with traditional Mexican parents, they don't know the struggle. That's the struggle in, in, in all aspects, okay? And I tell you an yeah. aspect of what I used to kind of, you know, dislike growing up with traditional mm-hmm. Mexican parents. They had me translate a lot for them. Um, and yeah. as a kid, you're just finding your own, you know, way of communicating with the outside world you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to just within school. It's a totally different animal, you know what I mean? You have to, you know, yeah. express yourself with, like, you know, and in, in, I wasn't the type that, I mean, I grew up just Spanish-speaking, you know, so I, I didn't really know the English language as, as I do now, but um, it was a struggle. And how would you explain to, to someone that did not grow up with Mexican um, traditional parents? Oh, wow, wow. I mean, I would say, you know, there's, we have religion, right? You have to go to church, Mm -hmm. 8 a.m. in the morning or whatever. Like, that was, like, my example, like, in my life. And it was, like, I guess it's more like the parents are the ones that dictate this is what you have to do. 
Um, and you have to obey, you know? I, I always think of, like, you know, when your parents uh, say, like, they, they call your name. You have to say Mande, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever I, th- I, I think of that, it's like, Mande me. Mande me, aquí estoy para servirle a usted. Right? Like, we're here mm-hmm. to serve them, but what about us? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, I think, there's a lot of, like, you have to do this because if you don't, then at some point it's it, it, at, at the cost of our, how can I say it, our, maybe, it, like you said, something about, you know, always translating. If we don't translate to help me, you know, translate the papers for immigration or for taxes, then it's going to affect the whole family. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like obligated. We're always like obligated. We would obligate ourselves to, I have to do it because my parents said so. I don't know. I hope that it makes sense. But for me, it's yeah, just like yeah. I felt like I was always obligated to do everything or else at the cost of the family's future or finances. You know what I mean? It was always like fear imposed. Mm. What I, I question now. Yeah, sorry to cut mm-hmm. you off, but uh, like what I question now is like the whole mentality of even having those phrases like mandeme, you know, mm-hmm. estamos aquí para servirles. It's like, it makes you think like, what kind of slave mentality is that? Exactly, exactly. And to yeah. this day, people say, well, we say it, you know, they try to explain to me like, well, it's said that way because we try to humble ourselves, but that's not humbling yourself. That's mm-hmm. That's becoming... A servant that's becoming someone to you know like below below others yes and yes. that's not i don't really think that that's a correct way to to i mean teach the young ones to be servants and not to be the ones to be served i mean which is no one should be served you know at any point anyway you know what i mean unless you're in a restaurant yeah. or something like that but as to say yeah. to say those phrases like it's just doesn't it doesn't vibe with me i don't know i don't i don't really fully understand it yeah no definitely and it goes to you know respect your elders for me i think that's bs mm. like how can you tell a child respect your elders many elders are sexually abusing mm-hmm. kids so you're supposed to respect your elders, like, at all times? No, you respect everyone, no matter what age, you know, opening the mindset to understand, like, children need to be respected and have a voice, mm-hmm. validate their emotions, just as well as an adult, you know? Like, no one's better than anyone, and I think in the culture, that's how I felt. I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm left. And I would find myself creating this pattern in my life, always, like, comparing myself to other people. And it was like, whenever you compare yourself to other people, other families, other cultures, or whatever, you're putting yourself less, mm. you know? Um, so it's always understanding, like, no, you're not less. You are worthy. You're capable. You are special. The little space you take up in this world is for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we are very profound, amazing human beings, and and, you know, whoever is listening to this podcast and they can relate to, you know, the, the culture or not, at the end, you know, we're all human beings. You know, we behave the way we feel. And it it has a lot to do with, you know, I always say, like, some of those labels that we need to start taking off. You know, we are more than our labels. We are more mm. than our problems. You know, we're more than the culture. Um, we all have our own way of just, you know, seeing life, it's understandable. Everyone perceives life very different. It's okay. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone's human. You know, everyone's a human being with so many emotions, anxiety, depression, 
And it's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's okay. Mm. But we have to learn how to bring this voice back, you know, this voice back. This is why I feel like, um, you know, inspiring people and, and one, starting out with yourself, of course, mm. like, you know, I'll be all the time, always, 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 like, putting yourself first and another. That doesn't mean, like, Lisa, you know, in the culture, it's always, like, first the kids, then then whoever, you know, mm. then the husband or then the wife or then, you know, and then it's like, it just kind of throws it off. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah. You know, it took for me to research and do my work, um, with, uh, in, in terms of, you know, self-help to find mm-hmm. out that, to figure out that if I can't help myself, how in the world am I going to help someone else? Exactly. Yes. And those mm-hmm. things are not taught within, especially within Mexican culture. You know. Yeah. Those things are not taught. It's the opposite, actually. Is don't yeah. don't speak unless spoken to. But. Mm-hmm. And all these other, just messages that get thrown into into us as growing up within this culture is is just like, and I'm not even getting to the iceberg of, of, of like, you know, within like machismo and all these things, which I think affected me in a certain way when I was growing up for the fact that I was like, you know, kind of like a mujeriego, you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. that it was a, it was kind of like a game within, you know, male, uh, you yeah. know, I guess like, it was kind of like male bonding in a way because that was the first thing that we would have, you know, in conversation with, within, you know, the yeah. circle of guys. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Did you go out this girl? Okay. You know, how about this girl? And I'm like, at this point now I'm, I'm looking back and like ashamed to even be in that circle, you know, yeah. because, yeah. And, and that's not by choice. That's subconsciously we got those ideas put into us and that's just within the family. And then, then there's, there's, there's the media, there's TV and all those, you know, mm-hmm. that just shows all this stuff that coincide. I mean, g- goes along with what they're talking to you about at home and stuff. It just, everything just yeah. molds you to be that person, which while growing, yeah. you know, being older, looking back, it's like, <laughs> it just makes you think like, how can I have been like that? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear you. You know, we reflect back into our lives and then we look like, oh, oh my God, like, damn it. I should have known. You know, I could have and would have done something different, you know, um, but learning life, learning to live life, you know, obviously moving on and not feel guilty. But yeah, I mean, it's owning it. I, what I hear you say is pretty much like, you know, I owned it mm-hmm. and I took accountability of it. And that's courage, man. Like that is, that is courage right there because not a lot of people do it. They're still doing the things, oh, yeah. things you know, it's a cycle. Still, and then they wonder why, hold on a second. Why am I not happy? Why do I have so much yeah. drama? Well, mm-hmm. how much space are you making for happiness? Either are you, are you happy or you're being perceived? Mm. You want people to perceive you as being happy. There's, it's, it's a, big difference you know we have to be true to ourselves and mm. it's okay to honor, honor our true selves and, and and not be afraid yeah people are gonna always talk smack no matter what right mm. but as long as we stand in our own true self i think that's like all the thing that matters and that, it is part of like mental health you know because mm-hmm. if you feel good 
I mean, you're going to do good, right? So, like, salud mental, you know, mental health. They say salud mental is para locos. No. Mm -hmm. Salud mental is para todos. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's for everybody. Everybody. And we need to start changing. And I think there is a big change right now with, you know, our generation just trying mm -hmm. to shift things around and inspiring yeah. each other. It's just so beautiful and so empowering that it's just like, wow. Like, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. And... And yeah, I mean, courageous, you know, like what you just admitted, you know, like that was yeah. me and this is me now. I've been, I've evolved, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that's the key word evolving. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm just so happy that I'm, you know, I've been with my wife already for about 14 years. We have five children nice. and it's just, it just, um, it makes you understand things more. It makes you, you know, I mean, appreciate it's life, right? not, yeah, appreciate yeah. things and just more level headed, more knowing yeah. what you want. And see, I've had friends that, you know, they would actually have like, like multiple phones to speak to, you know, all these girls and stuff. Yeah. And that's like, man, what are you doing to your life? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. as if, as if life is not already complicated, you're like complicating your life exactly. to like the hundredth power <laughs> of like, dang, exactly. these people, how do they not know that that's just, that's just horrible. But, um, yeah. now you mentioned with, uh, within religion, you mentioned religion as the first thing when I talked about, you know, traditional parents and how it was, how it was growing up in that, in that, um, environment. But um, mm -hmm. religion, like, that's a touchy subject. Um, a lot of people don't yeah. like talking about religion because if they feel like you're attacking their beliefs. But I always yeah. speak about it um, with, with total respect to whatever anyone believes. All I'm asking is questions that perhaps they've even asked themselves, just not publicly within their minds. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, religion within itself, it... It's, um, they don't want you to ask questions. And yeah. I've always wondered that, why they don't want you to ask questions. Because questioning things makes you think of both sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's kind of, um, it, they, people feel like they're attacking their own religion, their own beliefs. But as for religion, how do you view that? Uh, you know what? I see religion as like a map. I, it, religion is not God for me. And religion is a guide so that if you have a difficult time understanding it or wanting to learn more about God, I think, I mean, every religion is different, obviously, but um, I see it as, like, if you want to learn about God and how to connect with Him, here's the guide, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But then after that, when you've mastered and understood how profound that relationship is with God, then... And I'm not saying you don't need religion, it's a personal choice, but, um, but God is, God doesn't say like, oh, you have to go to church for me to love you and protect you and for you to go to heaven. Many people mm. say that. No, God says like, I already love you, you know, and, uh, and we obey him because we love him and we honor him. So it's just a different way of seeing it, but I grew up, you know, a lot of times when, um, it came to religion. It's like, yeah, you can't question anything. You can't do anything to the diablo and things like that. And it's understandable. I get it. But it, there was a lot of fear imposed. And I was mm -hmm. like, that. but I just, I'm curious. I want to know, like, what does the devil do, really? Like, to the presenta? Or like, how? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and they're like, no, nah, maybe it's a nombre. Like, it was just very kind of like, oh, my God, so how am I supposed to learn? You know, and then I would go to church, and it was, like, kind of boring. And, yeah, they would take the kids out, like, sometimes. But it wasn't even that fun, and, like, to our level when I was younger. So I understand how many even kids are, like, kind of over church, you know, mm. not even at their level. Um, but that's the way I perceive it, I think, with religion. I think religion is just a map. And once you have that relationship with God, and it's, I mean, no one can ever define that for you, mm. you know? Um, at all, the love you have for life, the love you have for your kids, the love you have for just anything. Everyone loves differently, but that doesn't mean it's wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, See, my, life, earliest, life my earliest uh, memories uh, about religion was confessions, confessing to the Padre. Yes. And that was mm-hmm. like the most, man, I used to like be nervous, so nervous to be talking <laughs> yeah. about it because your parents would tell you, if you don't tell them the yes, truth, Father. if you don't tell them yeah. the truth, God's going to find out. I'm like, hijo de... So um, yeah. I would be so nervous to talk. And then once it came to being sitting... Well, at this church where we used to go, um, sometimes they wouldn't use the actual rooms to, you know, to have that uh, divided in the middle part. Oh, um, uh-huh. It would just be sitting in the pew side by side sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and that was way yeah. more. <laughs> that was more <laughs> yeah, <it> like. Was. <laughs> and You're like, how can I open up myself? I'm oh, like, goodness. okay, he's gonna <laughs> see who I am. That's obvious. Um, if I tell him this, <laughs> he's gonna like look at me. He's gonna give me look. I don't know. It was just a trip. Like a, yeah. And um, <laughs> you know, it was all over. He would tell you, you know, go, you know, pray these amount of uh, prayers and do you know, Ave Marias and all this and that. And I'm like, okay, yeah. is that all? So God's okay with that? Well, what I did when I, after I do this, after I do the prayers? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, so it's all these things, you know, developed in my mind and it, and it created even more questions as for, okay, so the Padre is a messenger of God. Okay, so the Padre knows God. So he, you know, he, he has coffee with him or, you know, all these questions, as a kid, yeah. all these questions was coming up to my mind. Like, okay, so if I'm good with the Padre, then I'm good with God. Okay. So even if I do the worst things in life, if I confess it to the Padre, God's okay with it. Um, you know, yeah, and that yeah. was my thinking back then. Now, how was your experience with um, confessions? Confession? Oh, yeah, I would get nervous too. That's kind of funny how it's like nerve-wracking. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I would, I mean, I remember my mom telling me, like, you know, God works through the priest, so, you know, he dedicated his life just so that, you know, he can have that, like, I don't know what word she said, but for him to have, like, deep connection with God, and I'm like, mm. okay, so, um, I, I would go, I wouldn't go to confession all the time, but I, I, I know they said as long as you go once a year, supposedly that's good mm. enough, but I don't know if that's true, but. For me, um, I don't know. I felt kind of like I felt shame at some point because I was like, "Is this really gonna work?" Like, hmm. no, I'm still a sinner. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it was, it was something that, like I said, it was kind of nerve wracking. But mm-hmm. um, as I grew older, I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it." But I find myself like, you know what? Why do I have to do it? Do it with a priest? I can just like you know, pretty much just tell God, forgive me, and he will forgive us. This is the way I perceive it now, because I've made with confession. Um, 
like you said, there's that doubt, right? <laughs> is mm. it even is it even enough? Is it even <laughs> enough? We'd probably be there every day. Jeez, we're like this. <laughs> no, we're not perfect. We'll probably be there every every, I don't know, whatever days they have confession. But yeah. um yeah, I think it's kind of the same as you and and I would do it. But now as an adult I see it as like, you know what, I'm just gonna tell God forgive me, but I think it's gonna go based on my actions mm. to prove to God, you know, that like, yes, I am sorry and that um I messed up and I learned from it and um I'm going to show you, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, we can pray the, the you know, as, as I'm as saying this, I remember watching this one thing on TV and it was like these narcos and the narco, he was wearing like a, a rosary around his neck. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said, I'm going to go and kill someone. And he would go kill someone. And he would go to confession. And he would go kill someone. Oh, and yeah. go back to confession. And he found himself doing that. And I was like, that's not, I guess the way we should do it, <laughs> you know, but, mm. I think if if we show, we show, we prove to ourselves, obviously prove to God, like, hey, this is this is me showing you that, like, you know, I am sorry for my sins. Mm. But confession, yeah. I mean, I I went last year. I mm. went last year. It felt good, but um, but you know, I guess it goes back to our creencias, you know. At some yeah. point, we doubt. There's like the pros and cons about religion. I think. Yeah. Always. You know? Yeah. 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 Now, I always tell people, no matter what religion you're into, as long as it makes you a better person. I think that's really what the bottom line it is, you know? Because I've I've had these talks with with my mom in regards to, you know, still to this day, you know, we talk about religion and stuff. And I don't really go to church as much as I should be. And she complains to me about it. And, um, and I tell her, well, now that I know all these things within history that happened, you know, as for religion, you know, you start to question it even more like that we as, you know, Mexicanos, before we were given that name Mexicanos, we were Aztecs. We did not believe Uh in, in Catholic, you know, religion or, you know, Christianity and all that that was given from the, you know, Europeans and stuff. In the Spanish. Yeah. Um, now, uh, as for you, once you were going to school and, you know, learning all about your history and all about all these things, how did that affect you? Um, yeah, it obviously made me doubt. It made me doubt. But then I remember reading something and, and it said that, you know, those Mexicanos, we have a very strong faith. You know, like you mentioned, the Aztecs. They believe in something higher than themselves, and yeah. you know the sun, the moon. So there was some sort of like, I shouldn't say some sort. There was, there was profound faith in those gods, mm-hmm. and um, and I think is faith is what actually has kept us moving forward as a culture. It is so rich and it's so profound. The other muertos, you know, it's mm. nothing depressing. It's something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are those like pros and cons, but yeah, definitely. I, I doubt it. I would watch these documentaries and reading about it. And it was like, Oh my God, priests back in the days, like they would punish themselves, like mm. hurt themselves. And I was like, what is that? God never said hurt yourself. Like it's, Hmm. And it hasn't happened, right? Like women couldn't read back in the days, or they would get condemned, and you know, like nuns. It was, it, I mean, yeah, it, it totally made me doubt 
completely, but I still, I think, believe that faith is something that has kept our culture moving forward. I mean, mm. I remember watching the documentary, um, like, Immigrants. They found, they had a collection of rosaries of all the people who passed away crossing the border in the desert, you know, um, and it was so many rosaries. Mm. I mean, it was like hundreds of rosaries. Mm. And that, that right there, when I saw it, I was like, dude, that's like, that's the faith. That's the faith that they believe so hardcore that God's going to be with them to be able to cross over, you know? And, and I don't know, I think it's, it's beautiful at the same time. And I'm going to believe the good, you know? Mm. And, and I felt God's presence in my life. And I think the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I worked through, God worked through me. Um, but the impact of the religion, yeah, there is obviously some kind of like, uh, I don't agree with that, (laughs) you know, certain things, but it is what it is. And, you know, it's okay for us to doubt. We're we're creatures that are like kind of curious and we doubt and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not going to, you know, stop me from looking at the good of all the things, you know, in life. What I always tell people that I, uh, when I talk to within religion, I always say, if God didn't want us to question, he wouldn't give us this logical way of thinking, this exactly. this, this brain yeah. that makes us wonder, you know? So it's just, you know, uh, they say that God's mind, it's a reflection, you know, our mind is a reflection of God's mind. So if God's mm-hmm. mind is a wanderer or wonderer, then we are also, right? <laughs> it, it just yeah. makes yeah. sense. So, um, yeah, with that respect... Uh, with the respect of of religion um you know that's it's pretty interesting the whole talk with uh, within that um now you also mentioned the power of someone believing in you um uh-huh. how much do you think that someone like sh- should someone seek for someone to believe in them or should that come naturally because i feel that a lot of us especially nowadays with with social media Everyone seeks for someone to approve them or to believe in them or to, you know, see them, you know, to be seen. Um, how much of that does it affect? I mean, you as a therapist, how much mm-hmm. do you see this affecting a person to search for a, a, um, acceptance or, you know, be, uh, for someone to believe in them? Yeah, I think that it's something that we become sometimes codependent, you know, on exterior items, exterior people in our lives. Um, we sometimes feel like if I'm not told I'm smart, then I might not be. Mm-hmm. If um, if I'm not being validated, then I mean, damn, like, then I'm not good enough, you know. Um, so it, it's always trying to understand that, Every single human being in this whole entire planet has a gift. Mm. And if you don't know what your gift is, um, it's okay sometimes, you know. But not mean that doesn't mean, I'm not saying, like, be stuck there and never find out. It just means, like, start off with something small. Follow your gut instinct. What do you gravitate to that's good, you know? Um, it, I mean, I can give so many examples, but when you follow your gut instinct, when you follow your heart of something that you love, um, yeah, you might say, like, oh, I love someone, and if that person didn't love me back and they woke up with me, I always say rejection is God's protection. Mm. There's a reason why he's redirecting you somewhere else, and that wasn't for you. So understanding and letting go, letting letting God, let go and let God, you know? Um, 
So whenever you find yourself in this place of like, you know, I don't have validation and and um, I don't feel like I'm, I have a purpose in this world or just kind of feeling down, understand that you do. Everyone does. Everyone has a purpose. Um, we don't have to wait for people to tell us that we're good enough, you know, to validate us. We, we can wait forever and probably never hear it. And is that okay? No, mm. it's not. You don't wait for people to tell you that you're good enough and you're smart enough and that you're capable. You know, it's, it's you telling it to yourself. This is where self-love comes in. A lot of, like, affirmations, you know, positive affirmations to tell yourself on a daily basis. I always tell my clients that, you know, um, at night before you go to bed, it's like when the subconscious is actually more, like, awake. There's less distractions. You're going to go to bed. Yes, you're tired. But it's the best time to um, feed your mind with positive things. Mm-hmm. Many people have nightmares and, and wake up many times at night because of anxiety or because of the trauma. And a lot of the times we condition the mind to think, okay, it's night, nighttime, okay, fear, okay, nightmares, you know? So we have to learn how to recondition the mind. And this is where a lot of therapy kicks in. Um, but there's always going to be a specific therapist for you out there, you know? Do you, mm-hmm. When you go and you meet a therapist for the first time, doesn't mean that's the one you have to kind of like, see if you feel good or not like test them out before you sit there and invest your money and your time and you know sharing with them your whole story Mm. um getting to know who you're going to trust to be able to have them you know hear you out in a very profound manner there's so many therapists but i think it's always learning how to ask for help Mm. you know to be able to find yourself like if you know yeah you can pray there's nothing wrong with that but God puts us in this world all together here because God works through us. Yeah. You have, like you, Victor, like you have this platform to create and inspire and to charge. So, you know, it's like you're here for a reason. You're putting yourself out there. And, um, you know, you're reaching out to us and, you know, I'm grateful for that. And little things like that that are just, mad, they're just so powerful. You know, it's mm. like a star. It's so far, but it shines so beautiful, you know, but like, it's just, it's, it's like pretty much making an impact, um, starting with yourself and then, you know, following your gut instinct and following your heart. And eventually it's just kind of like, you know, mm. the love that you have for yourself, and people can see it, you know, don't, don't wait for people to, to always tell you who you are. You should know who you are, mm. you know, easier said than done. I get it. But, yeah. You know. People are not alone in this world. Look, when people feel like they're alone, it's a personal choice at some point, you know, because they just choose not to ask for help. And sometimes it's understandable. There's shame. There's embarrassment, right? But um, there's always people willing to help all the time. Mm -hmm. I tell my clients, I tell my clients, when you guys come in, if if I tell you, how are you doing? And you tell me you're good, I'm going to believe you. Mm -hmm. If you come in here, I ask you again, how are you doing? And you tell me you're not good, I'm still going to believe you. Mm. So it's always been true. If you don't feel good, pay it. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, my input, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, as for dreams, how do you view dreams and what are they in... Um, uh, uh, like what within us is the dreams? I know it's a subconscious mind, but I know... Mm-hmm. Do you believe that it sometimes gives us hints? Oh, yes. It definitely does. Definitely does. Um because, for example, whenever there's extreme trauma, um, you know, the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and fake. Mm-hmm. So when you have experienced a trauma and you repeat it 
so many times in your mind, it starts to believe that you're still there again. So you condition the mind to, well, obviously that's the purpose, you know, we want to recondition it, but sometimes we're conditioning it to think that we're still in that suffering moment from like 1985. Mm. And then, or, you know what I mean? So it, it's a very tricky way, but like with dreams, definitely it reflects a lot of what you're feeling, your mind. Um, so like with trauma, with anxiety, people, I remember this one lady a long time ago shared, she's like, I had a fear of like, for some reason being raped and um, just, she was sexually abused, but she's like, it didn't happen to a rape. But in my mind, I was thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get raped, I'm going to get raped. So she conditioned her mind to think that her dream was always as if she was always getting raped. She's like, what is happening? I said, well, what are you feeding your mind? This is a lot of the cognitive behavioral therapy mm. to recondition the mind. Um, so it starts to believe something else. So sometimes I even tell my clients, lie to yourself in a good way. Rewrite your story. I was safe I was loved because we can't change the past right obviously mm. but the only thing we have within us to change now is the present how are we going to bounce out of that issue but it's rewriting it and this is where therapy kicks in to be able to to help and guide through that process mm. um, because some people might still sabotage even if they're trying to rewrite it but it's still somewhat not as healthy you know so this is where therapy the CBT therapy kicks in yeah yeah that's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. See, I've always, yeah. after um, me getting anxiety and panic attacks, after mm-hmm. that, I have I was doing a lot of research on CBT, and um, I never mm-hmm. went to a therapist though. I, I always wanted to. I always I really always wanted to. And actually, the first time that I got a panic attack, which mm-hmm. you know, if anyone out there doesn't know what that feels like, feels like you're dying. Um, you know, I actually, I actually went into my phone and and searched therapist, and it was at nighttime. It was like already at nine o'clock or something, and uh-huh. and of course, no one, no one was gonna pick up my call. I started calling all these numbers so I can get you know therapy on the phone or something. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Yeah, you, were uh, you wanted to help, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you just felt like like there's no escape unless someone helps you, you know, to escape this. But um, mm-hmm. now have have you have you personally gone to gone through any of these um, you know like anxiety or panic attacks? Yes, um, the anxiety, not the panic attacks, but the anxiety of always gravitating to death. I would have that pattern, and I would have these dreams. I mean, sometimes I get them here and there because I'm doing a lot of like the work myself. But um, I would always have nightmares. And I would have these nightmares that sometimes even have so much resentment towards my mom. That would mm. always creep up in my dreams. And I caught onto the pattern. It started decreasing because I, I, I understood and, and, you know, like, okay, I get it. I have, I have all the right to feel the way I do because of the fact that I lived where I lived, you know? Mm. I had to, like, tell myself that consistently. But, yeah, the anxiety of always thinking the worst, you know, as a parent, it's always like, oh, my God. My son's going out. I'm already thinking, oh, my God, they're going to go to the snow. The car's going to flip. You know, like, all extreme. And I was like, okay, no. I'm okay. I am safe. It's always going back to having self-compassion, mm. you know, and understanding, like, hey, you're okay. Doesn't that again. You know, I'm telling yourself that. Uh, I know it's easier said than done, you know, but practice is what helps a lot to recondition the mind, 
you know. But um, yeah, sometimes that even sometimes now I I find myself gravitating to that anxiety, and then I kind of like you know I bring myself back. I do a lot of grounding um, techniques, and they really help. And I don't for those of you who are not familiar with grounding, but it's it's so many different ways of doing grounding. But sometimes it's like you can be anywhere. You can be on the bus. You can be you know in your car or in an office or whatever. Um, and you you pretty much look around the room and you identify five things around you. What that does is that you're bringing the mind back to the present moment versus letting it just kind of, you know, spiral to negative thoughts. And you guys um, can actually find a lot of resources, obviously, mm. online with grounding techniques, and they're very powerful. But in therapy, that's some of the things that I have learned as well. And then I teach to a lot of my a client because um, we have to judge, we have to control the mind versus the mind controlling us. Mm. You know, yeah, it's, it's very powerful. It's doable. We are. It is. We're capable of healing from trauma and anxiety, but we mm. just need to learn how to ask for help, how to be consistent in doing the work. You know, that's true. Now, yeah. how powerful is the power of silence? Because we live in the you know in an age where. Everything is just yeah. so loud. We go outside, cars, you know, people might be yelling if you live by an airport. You know, you know how that is. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and um, now to your clients, do you ever suggest um, meditating? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I always introduce them. Somehow already know what it's about. Some don't. So I said, okay, we're going to bring salads into the room and let's kind of listen to it. So we'll stay, you know, quiet for a couple of minutes. And I tell them, I know it's going to be a little awkward because, you know, you're in front of me. Uh, but I said, silence is golden. There's a lot of distractions in our world. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, um, there's a lot of distractions. So it's important to calm the mind, just calm it down. And it can be from listening to, you know, like uh, sound, you know, soothing music. You know, from or even not, even if it's okay if you listen to that like airplane passing by, or it's okay if you hear like some kids walking in front of your house. That just means that you're alive and you're present in the mm. moment. And of course, you're going to hear things. Meditation is not about shutting out noise. No, it's just about you just being in peace, be, pausing. This is one of the examples I tell my clients. Would you ever leave your car on 24-7 outside? And they're like, heck no. Like, why? Because it's component, like, you know, it's not going to work. And plus the gas, eventually it's going to give out, you know? I said, exactly. Because you need it, right? Don't you need it to work and to go make money? Yeah, definitely. That's okay. What happens with your mind? It's the same thing. Mm. You have to be able to shut it out so that it can rest because, you know, health is wealth. If you're not good with yourself and you're not motivated, you're not going to be able to parent. You're not mm. going to be able to do all these other things in your life that you want because you're so, like, bombarded with so many thoughts. Um, and I think silence is something we need to do. I personally don't listen to the radio. Like, all, you know, all these nonsense games that they do. Like, for me, mm. you know, when I was younger, I did. But now as an older, I was like, I have no time for nonsense. Like, <laughs> give me something. I you know what I mean? Like, there's, I, no. And it helps so much because, Silence will bring you the answers you need for your own life. That's the way I perceive it. Mm. Silence is golden. Silence, silence is, is awesome, but, you know, a lot of people sometimes find themselves like, no, I can't deal with it. It's too much. I'm too much in my head. Mm. Yeah, but just pay attention. 
there's something that your mind is telling you, you know, and we avoid a lot of unwanted emotions, obviously. That's, that's why we sometimes we're not okay with that one. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, yeah. La, La Therapist.com. Where, why did you start, you know, calling your, your office or your, you know, who you are as a therapist, La Chicana Therapist? Because there's not a lot of them out there. Mm. <laughs> there was, when I was looking for some for myself, I was like, I want a Latina, I want a Chicana that can relate to me, that can tell me, that I can, I can feel like, oh my God, like, you know, I hear you, I see you, and I feel you. Mm. And, um... I love my Chicanos and my Latinos, of course, you know, but the Mexican-American, I mean, we are in between two different cultures. I'm just speaking about Mexican-Americans and, you know, there's trauma from like our parents immigrating to this country, financial Mm. trauma, you know, emotional trauma. And I mean, there's a lot of things and, and, um, and I just said, you know what, like, I'm going to embrace it because this is who I am. This is part of my identity. Mm. I am a Chicana, I am a mother, and, and I am a professional, and I was like, you know what, I want to highlight it out, because I've never heard of a, Ch- a, a Chicana therapist, and I was like, I wonder if it's out there, and then I did <laughs> my research, and I was like, oh my God, there's not, you know, I mean, there's a lot of amazing therapists, I'm not saying I'm the only one, but I'm just saying that the name, yeah, that, yeah. that I was thinking of it, you know, but yeah, I just felt like I want to gravitate to my, to my Chicanos, um, you know, and population because yeah. I never grew up seeing anything like that or relating to, you know, and I was seeing it more, which is really awesome. But I think Chicanos doesn't just mean cholo and cholo. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know the number I mean? one thing that people think of when they when they, they, they say Chicanos. <laughs> that that's so like not cool, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and this is when we do this the research as to why Chicanos um, and Latinos, they're like, isn't it the same thing? I said, no, it's different. You know, yeah. the government tried to make it, e- make it easier, right? Latinos, let's just categorize them all in one bunch, yeah. you know, and here's Latinos, but Chicanos, and yeah, it's, I mean, that's a totally different topic, but you guys can do your research on that. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's really important what you said, and that's the reason why I asked why the term La Chicana Therapist, because when I was <clears throat> looking for, like I told you, you know, when I had anxiety and panic attacks, I was actually mm-hmm. looking into, you know, talking to one of these therapists. But, you know, in the back of my head, I would find all these names, like, you know, and they're obvious white, you know, and oh, yeah. I'll be like, okay, if I tell them what I'm feeling, would they understand me? They, 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 I mean, they're not, they don't have the culture that I have. How would they relate? Or how would they help me being from yeah. where they, you know, their aspect of how they grew up and stuff? They wouldn't understand me. I mean, they probably would have read something about the Chicano experience or whatever, but that's not the same, you know? Yeah. We need someone to, yeah. to help us, someone that's perhaps gone through through similar situations doesn't mean that they have to go through the exact situations but similar something that they can talk to us about and help us the right way you okay. know and that's so important that you emphasize la chicana therapist because then yes. you can you know you you attract the right people the people that actually have been needing all this help but haven't been able to yeah. find the right outlet exactly yes you said it yeah it's always like it happened to me. It was like, okay, they're white. I'm like, I'm not racist, but I'm just kind of like, I just want someone that can help me relate. Yeah. 
been that who's been there done that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and lived it yeah yeah it's, it's, i don't know i i, I love it i think it's so strong the culture you know the raíces that we have mm-hmm. with it like you know from our ancestors it's just it's just beautiful it's yeah. beautiful and, and and i'm glad that i've been able to have many clients that can um that have reached out to me and that i'm like wow like i finally i find the one and i'm like okay you know i'm not god you know <laughs> mm-hmm. i can't change but it's your job to be able to love yourself first mm-hmm. you know but it's it's really profound when someone comes into therapy with an open mind with an open heart um and it's not me doing the work for them, obviously. You know, I'm just there to listen. Mm. Like, I understand. By, by them just feeling safe emotionally, um, it's gold. It's gold. And um, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, I love my career. I, I, I love it so much. And and I'm just so grateful for, for being where I'm at, you know. I know that the field doesn't make millions, and that's okay. Because I... I get the self gratification of knowing that, you know, it's changing, helping change someone, uh, you know, a person at a time. You know mm. what I mean? Because everyone's connected to children. They ask me, like, what population do you like to work with? I was like, I know it doesn't matter because I know that if I work with adults, there's children attached to that adult and there's going to be an impact, a positive impact with that. If I work with children, you know, obviously they're attached to adults. And it's just, it's just well connected. Mm. We try to divide ourselves. Yeah, I know we say, you know, I'm a Chicana. But yeah, overall, no matter what, what you know, race we are, at the end, we're just all human beings wanting to love and be loved. Yeah. You know, That's it shouldn't be that complicated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. lastly, um, through all your work within, you know, this, you know, this title of being a therapist, what mm-hmm. is the most profound thing that you've learned? Something that really stuck with you with all your clients, something that really, that really resonates with you? Um, that we all just want to know that there's hope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes we feel that we're losing it and then we're not going to get it back. But, you know, seeing a lot of my clients coming in, like, kind of hopeless. Mm. And then leaving with a glimpse of hope is just magical. It's it's very profound. Um, so I think that's what it is because hope is not just a feeling, but hope is an action. Mm. You know, in order for us to see hope, we have to do something about it for us to then feel it and be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So that that would be that would be for me. Hope. So, yeah. See, that's the aha moment. The ah, uh, oh, yeah. I get it. See, this is what they were talking about. I I love yeah. that. You know, I, the times that I have, you know, figured things out through like either uh-huh. talking to people or even through talking to people, even if they don't say the right things, it might spark up the right thought. And right. Some people yeah. don't think about those things that you know. Some uh-huh. people may not have the right answer, but they would have the right um, thing that triggered the right answer in your own mind, you know? Yeah. And that's happened to me a lot of times that someone's talking to me about something and I, in my mind, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. I, like, I think back yeah. on something that happened similar to what they're talking about and, I, and then I, I kind of like, ah, oh, so that's why some people do this. Oh, man, yeah. that's crazy. So, you know, and I've <laughs> always, I've always, um, you know, kind of, you know, gone 
more towards the wanting to be as you know in the in the field of psychology as a kid even as a young one i would always like wonder why do people do what they do i wonder what triggered them to do that and you know growing up where i grew up in salinas i've seen a lot of crazy stuff like i've seen you know the first person that that i seen like die in front of me well, it was when I was okay. in seven, you know, seven years old, and that was through like you know, gang violence or whatever. So I, that was, yeah. so as, as a young one, I would always wonder how can someone be so, you know, like have no conscience to to do these type of acts. How can that? How can someone mentally? I mean, it's one thing to say it, to say, oh, okay, I'm yeah. I'm gonna do this to this person, but to actually yeah. go and do the act of that, I've always wondered what is the thing that triggers that person in the mind to do such a thing and i've always been that that type of person to be asking everything you know about how life yeah. is in terms of psychology but um i just love yeah. you know what you stand for i love what you're doing and um it's Thank you. it's um it's our responsibility as people you know as humans that if we have if we know the uh, like if we're on the right path and we feel that we're on the right path and we feel that mm-hmm. our story or just talking to people about how they can get their lives in the right path. If we have that, you know, special thing to say to that person, why not do it? Why not exactly. say it? Because I feel that a lot of yeah. people have gone through what they've gone through and they're, you know, successful and they don't talk to others that can benefit from that and, and, and kind of in a way teach them how not to do certain things or how to do certain things to get over them, to, to break the cycle, to, you know, all these things that we need to talk about. But um, it's a beautiful yeah. thing what you're doing, you know. Thank um, you. Thank you, Victor. Likewise. Yeah. Me too. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you're going to be in a, in a festival, right? A conference, a 25th annual Mujer conference. Talk to us about yeah, that. Mujeres Unidas. Yes, yeah, so um, it's the 25th Annual Mujeres Unidas Conference. Uh, we're doing a workshop. Um, um, we're going to be focusing on motherhood, and I'm going to be presenting, like, a topic for around, like, 10.40 a.m., so if anyone is interested to register, it's at the University of California, Riverside. Um, there is the information on my Instagram, La Chicana Therapist, um, and it's for the first 1,000 people who register are able to attend and get, like, free lunch, and then you get mm. a T-shirt, um, but it's, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to touch base on topics of, like, self-love, self-care, um, and, yeah, whoever wants to attend is a free event, so... It's a pretty cool thing that they do that um, every year at the university. Mm, mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, yeah. Amapola, uh, I want to thank you. Really thank you for, you know, giving me this time to be on my podcast. Um, it's You're very the, welcome, Victor. For that young girl that may be out there listening that is perhaps somewhere near, you know, where you were as a young one, what last mm-hmm. words would you like to say to that person? That you're worthy that you're capable and that you're important in this world. And no matter what labels it is that they try to impose on you, they don't belong to you. You are more than your problems. You are more than that label. And believe in yourself because it's a fact that you're not the first, you're not the last, and you can do it. You can you can achieve great things. And ask for help. There's always mm. someone willing to help you, you know? Mm. That's what I would say. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Pues este, you know, you um, I wish nothing but further success and um, 
a lot more people, Likewise. you know, need that help. So, you know what I mean? Be prepared for that because <laughs> there's there's yeah. nonstop help for people because, uh, like you said, mental health is not just for the quote-unquote local. It's, it's for everyone. Exactly. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that and that stigma of, of, of people thinking that it's just for people that are crazy, that's just, that, that, has, to, that has to go, you know, because um, it's for everyone. We all need it. Exactly, exactly. And thank you so much, Victor. Um, you're a very beautiful human being. You're oh, a good man. You. You're implementing so many great things in this platform. And obviously, you know, we haven't met in person, but I can hear you and I can feel you and I can I can see that, like, passion you have to be able to inspire others and keep going, you know, mm. keep going. You're going to do big things. You're going to be do big things, that's for sure. Ooh, I love so, it. Thank, thank you very you. much. You have a great Sunday, eh? How are you?